In Christ, the God of heaven has made his home on earth. Christ dwells among us and is one with us. Highest of all creation, he lives among the least. He journeys with the rejected and welcomes the weary. Come now, all who thirst, and drink the water of life. Come now, all who hunger, and be filled with good things. Come now, all who seek, and be warmed by the fire of love. Amen. We want to just take this moment to welcome you to a time of worship at Fort Street Presbyterian Church. I'm Reverend Sarah Logeman. And I'm Reverend Garrett Mostowski. And uh, yeah, it's good to be here with you this morning. We thank you. If you're tuning in on Facebook or on YouTube or if you are calling in on Zoom, however you are here worshiping with us, we thank you for joining and for being with us. We wanted to share just one note of thanks today, um, particularly for Jerry and his crew for preparing this space, preparing the sanctuary um, for the beginning of us regathering in worship. I know that Jerry and Damien and Frank and probably others from his crew spent hours this past week. (laughs) They're oiling the pews and they're taking out hymnals and Bibles and and things so that we have less cluttered space when we gather. But we are so grateful for all of the work that they have put in and are grateful that it means a chance for us to be able to gather in person again soon. So thank you. Absolutely. And if you see Jerry or any of his crew members, tell them thanks. Tell them we appreciate the work that they're doing here, and um, yeah, yeah. Let us worship God together now.
So I was thinking the other day and wondering, how would you draw a picture of God if someone asked you to draw a picture of God? And I thought, well, maybe we could draw a heart. We could maybe draw a family. We could draw a sun, maybe, to represent light and creation. We could draw a loaf of bread to symbolize sustenance, or maybe a cup of juice or wine to do the same thing. We could draw a lot of things about God. And I think, though, it's maybe impossible to draw a perfect picture of God because there's really no way to know what God looks like. God's not the sun. God's not just a family. God's not just a heart. God is many things. It's impossible to know who God is perfectly. But the pictures of God that we do draw are really important because the pictures of God we draw show us a little bit about our hearts. They reveal the truth of what we're thinking. And so for my picture of God, I think I'm going to stick with drawing a family. Because my family, they live in different parts of the world. They've been separated and divided. And my prayer and my hope and my heart is that they'll come back together again one day. Let's pray. God, thank you for this time together. And God, thank you for drawings. Thank you for the symbols that you've given us of your love, of your sustenance. God, help us to better know who you are this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Did we lose video there? No, okay. Oh, we lost the audio?
Well, our scripture text for this morning comes to us from Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 through 18. Listen now for the word of the Lord. Therefore, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed me, not only in my presence, but much more now in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work in you, enabling you both to will and to work for God's good pleasure. Do all things without murmuring and arguing so that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation in which you shine like stars in the world. It is by your holding fast to the word of life that I can boast on the day of Christ that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. But even if I am being poured out as a libation over the sacrifice and the offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. And in the same way, you also must be glad and rejoice with me. This is God's word to us. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Good and loving God, we do thank you for your word. And God, we thank you especially for a time set aside in our life to reflect on it, to listen to what you might have to say to us. And so God, we pray that whatever words or wisdom we would hear this morning would come from you and not from me. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Many of you have probably seen the movie Shawshank Redemption. It's the story of an elaborate and understated prison break by a man named Andy Dufresne who has been wrongly accused of a crime. Even though I'd say it's my favorite movie, I would also say it's a pretty boring movie and kind of famously boring. There's some moments of suggested violence in the beginning that sort of draw you in, and then there are some tense moments throughout the middle, but really the only excitement and action, in my opinion, comes at the very end of the film. It's the night of Andy's prison break, and he begins his escape by crawling through a hole he chiseled in the wall of his cell. And I want to take a moment to say, I am spoiling this movie for you, and I apologize for that, but I, I think the uh, statute of limitations is up on it. It's been like 26 years since it was released. So Andy begins his escape by crawling through this hole that he has chiseled in the wall of his cell. And then he begins climbing down these pipes to the basement where he finds a raw line of sewer that will lead him to freedom. And as he's crawling through the muck and the waste, as a viewer, I can remember the first time I watched it, my body tensed up. My breathing sort of stopped, and I started to almost, you know, lose track of time. It was like time slowed down. It was like I was there with Andy crawling through that sewer line, gagging with him, coughing with him, and also hoping with him hoping that he had enough time to make it out of the sewer before he died or before the police figured out which way he had gone. Hoping that he would survive and find freedom. 
hoping that he would get to give, live life and life to the full. And I learned after watching that movie that something happens when we hope. Paul, the writer of this letter, had a pretty crazy experience that I'm sure you remember. He was on his way down the road to Damascus, and he had with him a group of temple police, and also in his pocket he had a warrant signed by the chief priest. And he was going to the synagogues and the places around Jerusalem where people might be speaking the name of Jesus. Anyone that he found that might be speaking that name, he was going to arrest and drag them back to Jerusalem where they would await trial. The text in Acts sort of suggests that Paul heartily approved of persecuting any heretics or anyone that spoke of Jesus. And yet as he's on his way down to Damascus, you remember what happens. There's this bright flash of light and then suddenly the voice of the Lord surrounds Saul and says, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And just like that, Saul is radically converted. I mean, a few more things happen, but it's shortly after that that he's converted. One moment he's walking down the road to murder the innocent, and the next moment he's on his way to the city, unable to see and struggling to do his best to follow the commands of Jesus. I'm sure he must have learned after that whole experience that after he stepped out of the baptismal river that he was baptized in shortly after, he must have learned that nothing he had done up until that point had been because of him. No choice that he made leading up to that led him to the choice of conversion. He must have known that God was working in him. God is always up to something, working in me, working in you. In our text for today, we find Paul several years after this conversion. He's in prison for preaching the gospel, the very same gospel that he was using to arrest others for. And now he's writing a letter to a church filled with people he's so grateful for, and he's saying things like, I thank my God every time I remember you. I think Pastor Jasmine preached on that text for you all. And as Pastor Sarah mentioned last week, he keeps pushing this group in Philippi to become unified, to be of one mind, to have the mind of Christ among them, the one who empties himself completely. And I'm imagining he's doing this because they're not a group that's unified. They're a group that's divided. Philippi was this Roman colony uh, in ancient Macedonia, and it was a place that many retired soldiers would go to just live out their days. And as you can imagine, it was known, because of this large population of soldiers, it was known for what some commentators have called a strong sense of patriotic nationalism. I don't know if this is true, but I heard once that they had a few slogans running around town, things like, make Rome great again, keep Rome great. Or I even heard this one, Caesar is the greatest, most talented, most successful Lord in the history of the whole entire world. 
This kind of patriotic nationalism isn't limited to just those retired soldiers or people outside of the church. I think it was inside the church too. Not just because of Paul's several calls for unity among them, but because he also seems to be answering questions around how they should live in society. He says, live your life in a manner worthy of the gospel. That means your whole life your life in church, your life in society. Live it in a manner worthy of the gospel. With all this in mind, we can begin to imagine that Paul is dealing with a church whose members are politically on both sides of the aisle. There are some members, I'm sure, whose allegiance to Rome goes too far, according to other members. These members might have praised Rome for all that Rome had provided. The sanitation, the medicine, education, the wine, public order, irrigation, aqueducts, and the Pax Romana. This kind of security provided by the empire would have brought with it some loyalty from citizens and members of the church in Philippi and maybe even more from those that had served in the Roman army. From those on the other side of the aisle, though, they might have seen the way in which Rome accomplished the kind of security it offered its citizens. The use of military force to achieve all of their ends. The slaughtering of anyone disabled. Overwhelming taxes levied on the poor. Slavery. The displacement of indigenous people and so on and so forth. In this way of achieving all of this security must have made them mistake a kind of temporary peace for an everlasting peace. And in the mind of some of the members, this must have been in direct conflict with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Again, I don't know with any degree of certainty whether this was Paul's exact situation or the situation of Philippi, but we can imagine it. We're living something like it. Have you ever noticed what happens to time when you get excited or you're looking forward to something? This happens with kids right before Christmas or right before a school break. They get really restless. They don't care about anything else. It's like they can't pay attention. And, and actually, time seems to slow down a little bit. This happened with me and Sarah recently as we were preparing to move here. We were just so excited to come in and get started and to get settled and to um, not be living out of boxes or living amongst boxes that it was almost like time slowed down. It was almost like the world had paused. We got excited. We got a little tense at times. We found ourselves paying attention to what was ahead. Paul's call for unity climaxes in this really vexing phrase. He says, work out your salvation in fear and trembling. Now many pastors and theologians will interpret that phrase for the individual without ever really seeing the wisdom it offers to an entire community. Growing up, I was told that it meant more or less that you should be or have a healthy fear of God 
and a healthy fear of not doing God's will because your reward or your punishment in the afterlife was determined strictly by your earthly behavior. Whether you would be saved by God or thrown into some eternal fire, work it out by yourself with God and do so in a way that you're kind of afraid. That's what I was taught. I'm oversimplifying a little bit, but you get the point. In addition to being a charge to the whole community to work out their salvation, the phrase also means something like, give it all of your attention. Or maybe a different way to interpret the phrase would be to write it, work out your salvation and do it like you're running out of time. It reminds me of that song from the musical Hamilton, which many of us have seen at this point. And if you haven't seen it, I would encourage you, go watch it. It's, it, it's a good uh, two hours or so. But there's a song in there where all of the cast members uh, that are surrounding Hamilton keep asking him one form of the question, how do you continue to write like you're running out of time? How do you continue to work like you're running out of time? How do you have this much attention and discipline and focus for the thing that you are doing? It's a good question. Paul is speaking to this group of early Christians who were split between those who thoroughly opposed the empire of Rome, saying Jesus is Lord, not Caesar, and those among them who still had some allegiance to the empire of Rome. And he's saying to them, work out your collective salvation and do it like there isn't much time left. And we might ask, well, what is their salvation? And I think the answer must be the unity of these two groups because it's something that Paul can't stop talking about. The unity that comes when we do as Jesus did. The unity of these two groups splitting the church for Paul deserves all of their attention and all of their life. You would think that the healing of the world depended on these two groups coming together. But there's another part of that phrase, too, that really sticks out. Work out your salvation in fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work in you. He's reminding the Philippians of their baptism, that they have become part of one body. There's no longer Jew or Greek. All are one in Christ Jesus. In the same way, it's Jesus who is working through all of us. And so in a way, Paul is saying that their salvation is somehow wrapped up in this split between members promoting patriotic nationalism and the members calling for justice, reform, and reconciliation. Their salvation is found somewhere in the hope that the two can become one. Work it out, Paul says. And do it like your life depended on it because it is God who is working in you. There's something that happens to us when we begin hoping for what's ahead. When we begin waiting on and imagining the possibilities of the future. Time slows down. Our bodies and minds tense and focus. Our breathing subsides almost. Our eyes become locked and the images of the future begin flashing before us. You can't believe how present I felt with Andy Dufresne the first time I saw Shawshank Redemption and he's crawling through that sewer. 
I felt the mire and the muck that he was in. And I felt the fresh water and the soil that he found when he emerged on the other side. And I even cried when he escaped. I looked ahead with Andy there to see the possibilities that he might enjoy. I looked forward to seeing how he might be redeemed. In this moment of time in 2020, amid the centuries-long pandemic of racism, amid COVID-19, amid the loss of family and friends, amid the pressure and the weight of this political moment, I think we may need a little bit of hope. And I don't mean just hope that the election turns out the way that we think it should or the kind of hope that those people who don't think like we think would come to their senses finally and feel the shame of the way that they've been behaving. I mean the kind of hope that can see a world where enemies become friends. The kind of hope that pauses everything else around us because there's something so necessary and important ahead. The kind of hope that is so great it makes your body tense up and your breathing nearly stop. The kind of hope that recognizes how much is on the line every second of every day. The kind of hope that helps us confess the truth of our past, our privilege, and our country because we know that God has something so much better for us ahead. The kind of hope that has a little room for grace and kindness that reaches across the aisle. The kind of hope that brings heaven and eternity into every single move we make. I think we need this kind of hope. And I think that if we can begin hoping like that, and we can believe along with Paul and all the saints that came before us that it is God who is working in us and always working in us, then maybe, just maybe, we can be converted like Paul. Maybe, just maybe, as we're walking down the road one way, we'll suddenly turn around and be changed completely. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. I pray that you would infiltrate our hearts and minds. Give us the peace and hope that passes understanding. In Jesus' name, amen.
We have just a few announcements to share with you this morning. The first of which is that we will be having a coffee hour on Zoom immediately following the service and invite you to join that if you would like, just for a chance to connect and say hello and bring your own coffee and we will see you there. Yeah. We're also excited to announce that uh, the session did approve us um, offering two in-person worship services to see how it goes and to see if maybe we could resume um, a little more permanently. And so uh, next Sunday is our first week doing that. That's October 25th. And we have 22 people signed up currently. And that means we have eight spots left. We're going to allow 30 people to attend in person for this these first couple of weeks. So we've got eight spots left for next week. If you want to call uh, the office to register or you should have an email with a registration link. Um, and I'm not sure how many spots are open for uh, that next Sunday, but I'm sure there's plenty of space. So, And know too that we will continue to live stream. So if you are not comfortable coming in person, that is just fine. If you um, would rather be worshiping at home, we will continue to be meeting over this format as well. So we hope that you will join us one way or another. Yeah. We also are um, excited that we have been called God's people and invited to respond to God's grace in a variety of ways. And in that light, we invite you to continue to share your tithes and offerings. It is very different format if you are not here in person, but we do invite you to share through fortstreet.org slash give. Um, session recently voted to becoming Matthew 25 Church, and I know that many of you heard uh, Pastor Jasmine's sermons on Matthew 25. And um, if, you, if you didn't hear those, essentially Matthew 25 has uh, three goals for congregations. One, to promote congregational vitality. Two, to, um, uh, what is it, disrupt? Dismantle. No. dismantle systemic poverty, eradicate systemic poverty, and dismantle structural racism. And uh, our church, Fort Street, has become a Matthew 25 church, and so we are going to be exploring what that means for us during our adult education hour, which happens immediately before the service here on Zoom. And so if you're interested in um, joining that and learning a little bit more, we would love to have you and to get your input um, this is a group process for us to sort of interpret those three parts of the call of Matthew 25. So we need as much as your, of your input as you're able to provide. Session was also able to approve a gradual reopening of the Open Door program, which we are very grateful for, and we invite your prayers around that process. The team has been meeting and come up with a great plan of ways to invite small groups in a little bit at a time to offer not only food as they have been doing on the stairs outside, but some shelter as the days are getting cooler and cooler. And so we are grateful for that opportunity and covet your prayers as Open Door invites people in starting November 5th. Awesome. Last one. Oh, sorry. Uh, so we are coming up on All Saints Day which is actually the second Sunday of our soft reopening here. And as a part of the service, Sarah and I are going to read off names of saints that have gone before us. So if you have a name of someone that you would like us to read, um, just give the office a call. You can email one of us at pastorgarrett at fortstreet.org or pastorsarah at fortstreet.org 
or just pastor at fortstreet.org. Um, yeah, or just leave a message with Allison. So any name that you would like to have read during that time, we would love to include. Let us go to God in prayer now together. Would you pray with me? Gracious God, giver of light and darkness, from the rising of the sun to its setting, you have called us by name. There is no God besides you. Go before us and guide us this day. Bless and keep us forever. O great God, glorify yourself in all the earth. Be glorified in creation, glorified in your church, glorified in our worship here this very morning. Though we are so small and you are so grand, help us nevertheless to magnify your name. Help us to make your name and the nature of your grace larger and easier for people to see. Help us to live and to worship in such a way that we become like magnifying glasses through which our neighbors and co-workers and children and friends and even strangers can see you come into focus in new ways. Gracious God, ours is a world that could use more glimpses of glory and fewer glimpses of the hell to which our sin so easily leads. Ours is a world that needs more of the gentle words of your Son, Christ, and fewer angry shouts. We come to this time of worship in a variety of conditions this morning, some full of joy and others in the midst of pain. We rest in the confidence that you see us and know exactly where we are in this moment. Bless our congregation. Heal those who are ill. Comfort those who are grieving. Reassure those who feel troubled and frightened by what the future may hold. Be close to the lonely, the hungry, the oppressed. As we continue our worship now, fill us with yourself and hear us as we pray together in the name of Christ, the one who taught us to pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
Sisters, as you go, may you begin to hope in a way that slows down time, in a way that allows you to take risks in the world, in a way that allows you to believe that enemies can become friends and two can become one. And may you know that God sees you. May you know that God is smiling down upon you and may you know that you are loved and that your life truly matters. Amen.